find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome to another brand new high-definition episode of the world-famous Behind the Baller podcast, a.k.a. BTB. I am your host, Ben Baller, a.k.a. the Korean John Cusack. Some of you know me as the Wash Lord, but most of you know me as Odesu, a.k.a. Old Boy. This is a 100% Dust Brothers production, so that means professional podcasting only. Museum quality podcasting only motherfuckers stereo sound in this bitch yo what's good what is good btb army yo it is a glorious monday today is my middle son's birthday writer it is writer's eighth birthday right now we will talk about that shortly and you know all the festivities that went along this weekend my one in a million experience at the kingdom Takashi Murakami show opening at the Broad. Um, we got fam questions part two. And of course, we're going to talk about Bosch legacy. It's almost coming to an end. And the NBA finals and much more on another tsunami hitting episode of the world famous BTB. Yo, Miles. Yo, Jordan. Yo, Lakey. Yo, BTB Army. Let's motherfucking go. Man, so last Tuesday, I got to do something that, I mean, millions of people will never get a chance at, right? And it's an interesting stat, right? I heard this from my golf coach. Um, There's 6 million bad golfers out in the world. And most people are bad at golf. You know, it's, it's not an easy game. It is the most humbling sport I've ever participated in in my entire life. And um, I see all the people like, man, this swing is terrible. This is, and the funny thing is, it's so crazy. And I'm not saying this to fuck with y'all. I'm just, I trust the process always. I know where I'm going. I know exactly what I'm doing. I've had to change my grip maybe three times and not because I, I wanted to. I had no idea what was going on. I was just listening to my coach. And he always said, you know what the best thing about you is you're just a blank, raw canvas. And we're going to paint this motherfucking masterpiece picture. And um, I was like, why am I doing my holding like this? It was holding like this. And why am I? And I, I'm getting now to where, you know, my swing's probably at like 75, 80%. Like I'm almost there. So to get fitted is kind of unnecessary. But when you get invited, you know, to the kingdoms, that shit is no joke. You know what I mean? Like there's celebrities who are really good at golf, much better than me much better than the average person. I'm talking about scratch handicap golfers, right? They can't get in until next year. And this is with plugs and cosigns, okay? And it can cost 10 Gs just to get fitted there, maybe even more depending on what it is. It's a serious situation there. But more than that, this is where the greatest golfers in the world play. And I'm talking about major winners, major PGA champions, Tiger Woods, Roy, McElroy, 
um, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, just, you know, of course, did I say Tiger Woods? I did, right? Of course I did. The greatest ever. And um, shout out to my boy Mike, aka The Stranger, at TaylorMade. Shout out to the entire TaylorMade team. I'm very honored to be on Team TaylorMade. And um, what's wild is Trotty, who was the one who fitted me that day, is the only person that Tiger trusts. And um, I had no idea what to really expect. I watched a couple of videos, seen him, and he's, you know, funny dude, uh, character. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people who teach golf. And I feel like, just think about what you're doing. You know, if you're teaching kids, whatever, you have to be so fucking good and not just good at golf, but so good at really teaching because you need to watch, explain to somebody why something is wrong, why a position's off, why their grip, whatever it may be. One of the biggest compliments I could think of was the first thing that Trotty handed me was a 56, right? And he goes, the reason why I handed you this is because this is the club that hits the shortest in your bag with the exception of the putter, obviously, right? And I was like, okay. And the first hit, he wanted me to aim at a certain flag. And he just, this is certain things that he said, you know, he didn't give a shit if I had a coach, he didn't care about anything else. You know, we're just getting the maximum possible yardage and best out of my game by being there at that time. Now, normal fitting is about two hours, maybe two and a half, right? I was there for fucking four. It was funny because the, the director of the kingdom was like, yo, you're trying to have the longest fucking fitting in history. But, you know, we had a lot of questions, a lot of talks. Um, we talked about a lot of different things. And there was just certain things that he said that my coach never said to me. And, you know, minor adjustments that really improved right there in that fucking fitting. You know, um, I don't got time to lie to you guys about anything. Because when you lie to somebody, it comes back. And someone at my level or at my status, it comes back worse, you know. And I've seen it happen to other people. That's why I'm ready to, you know. I'm like, nah, dog, nah. That that's, <laughs> that, I'm not gonna, you know. My life is already unbelievable. And I got no reason to fucking make up shit about something like this. But just small little positionings with my knees, my chest, you know. I was so fucking sore that next day. I was even sore the day after that. It was crazy. I haven't been sore, you know, in the first, since the first like month or so of me playing and hitting a lot of balls and not getting my shape and everything, you know, because I'm changing form. And, you know, I swung every fucking club in the bag. But just certain philosophies that he had about hitting a ball, where you're looking at, even to stretching and things like that. And this dude is a fucking legend. You know, he's from the UK. And uh, I think the highest compliments that he said was, um, one was, my grip and my setup were great. He said they were like literally perfect, right? And he said, I can tell you take lessons because your grip is perfect, you know? And that was a big fucking deal for me. Uh, two, let's say out of the hundred and fucking 20 swings that I took, maybe even more, right? And, and this is a crazy thing. Out of 120 swings, he said over a dozen of my swings that day looked PGA tournament level quality. I was absolutely floored. I had some bad shots, but I'll be honest with you. 
I had some shitty shots, you know, um, in the couple uh, 18 hole um, courses that I played at, you know, and then I picked it up. For some reason, the way we're talking um, and going over form and everything, it was just a different level. The confidence that he gave me, the encouragement, him telling me, he's like, yo, it was so good. You know, we had the range meter there. And he said it was a really brutal one. I think my highest uh, highest shot for the day was like 280 or something. But it was, again, you know, it's a different, he said it's a brutal thing. And um, some of my pitches, you know, some of my chipping got really better. My, my putts from fucking far away were really good. It, it was to explain to you again, you know, just to be at TaylorMade. During the PGA Championship too. The fact that Trotty was there was fucking amazing, right? And it was a, there was like a barbecue going on side. They were fucking super ecstatic because, you know, um, a lot of the guys were leading that day. Roy was like minus six um, after the first day. And, um, you know, I got new clubs. Super, super happy about that. I got a new rescue. We got, got a, um, a stealth rescue. Um, I'm in P790s on the irons. Got some other stuff, you know, um, I promised a few of my really, really close friends some of these clubs because they're fucking expensive. You know, they're in the thousands, right? Um, but when you walk in the kingdom and you walk in this place, now, mind you, I know I haven't been to a lot of places where you play and practice and get fitted, but I can assure you I could put a very high wager down that there aren't places like this. Not to, to practice not to wear the experience, the, just the place. Like, And I was in a private area where Tiger goes. So I don't have anybody watching my swing, what it bothered me, nothing. And it was just incredible from the beginning to the end. Just the, you know, practice and putting and just even the options of, of beverages they had there. My fucking locker was next to Tiger's locker. Little shit like that. You know, it's really an experience. You know, the fact that he really goes there and stuff. It was just a, and some people say, I even have people who know me who are just fucking retards, you know. They're like, getting fitted and playing golf was a top three life experience. Your life is sad. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. To this one dude who's a super F1 geek and everything, it's like, imagine you driving Lewis Hamilton's car in the fucking Monte Carlo or fucking Monaco GP track. That's literally how I describe this. That's It's literally that level. Oh, you like basketball? All right, imagine going to Chase Center and practicing with Steph Curry, you know, Jordan Poole, Wiggins, Draymond, you know, actually on the chase, you know, and having, you know, just having it being taped. It was a fucking crazy experience. My entire time in San Diego this week, this past week was fucking amazing. And uh, I always love San Diego. It's such a chill vibe. It's such a chill time. I just gotta say thank you to the whole team TaylorMade, um, just the staff, everybody was fucking amazing. Uh, I did get to play Coronado and um, I shot just above 100. It's fucking still great. It was 101 or 103. God. I think it was one-on-one. Uh, obviously, still fucking amazing. What else? I got to see Quinn. It's my little nephew. That is Q, World Star's son, oldest son. We got to hang out, got to go to Dan Buster's. I was fucking blown away, by the way. 
that that Dave and Buster's at Mission Valley is so goddamn big. And I've been there many times. The fucking, on a Wednesday night, parking lot was sold the fuck out. Place was packed as shit, hard to find parking. That location is the top grossing Dave and Buster's in the country. It does $20 million a year. You know how fucking hard that is to do for a restaurant, you know how fucking incredible that is? It was a great, this whole weekend was an amazing, this whole week, I'm sorry, was a great experience. And um, you know, I my kids love San Diego Zoo, they love Legoland, and uh, TaylorMade's based in Carlsbad. Um, had some good food, had Cheesecake Factory, not by, you know, just because I was like, fuck it. But, uh, you know, um, it was nice. Just And I don't like driving. You know, I drove the Tesla down. My first time driving the Plaid down. The charging centers that they had in, um, the superchargers in San Diego are actually pretty lit. They had a private garage. There was access to a liquor store. There was a barber shop. Um, there was a Domino's pizza. You could have walked anywhere because it's near the gas lamp. But um, it was like weird. It was a chill garage. It wasn't too cold. It wasn't too hot. It was like, it was perfect and had just enough reception to like, you know, watch movies and everything else. And, um, I don't know. It was it was pretty good, you know. I've I've never been to a supercharger where it was like you know, um, it was just, it was a perfect situation. I've been to you know many superchargers, and though some of them have like cafes, whatever around it or something near. This was just a really cool vibe. I don't know. It was really private, and it was safe to the security. It was it was it was kind of cool, but yeah, you know, um, had my raising canes in the car. Couldn't beat that. But uh, yo, Ryder's birthday is today, and we began his birthday uh, celebration on Saturday at Dave and Buster's. I got to give an enormous shout out to Dave and Buster's Corporation. Big love to the play group that is the parent company of Dave and Buster's and extreme gorilla size gratitude to one of the most amazing fucking human beings in the world. My boy, Popeye Vasquez. I know I have repped the, the company bigger than anybody. I have brought a lot of celebrities there. I brought a lot of the people who knew about Dave and Buster's, people who didn't know Dave and Buster's, they're going there. You know, from Chrissy Teigen to fucking Drake to other people, we're heading up there more often. And, you know, where else can you get some decent food? Play a lot of fucking games. Get points on your card. Win a fucking Xbox. Who fucking knows all stuff. But with a full bar, watch games, chill and hang out. Ryder's birthday was fucking lit. Uh, feel bad. There was actually a couple kids who had birthday parties in his school on the same day. One at the same time and one a little bit later in the day, but I think like 90% of the kids in his class came to uh, uh, his party there. We had food. We had fucking pigs in a blanket that were fucking, they tasted like some straight like gourmet style we had smash burgers. We had slider burgers. We had chicken fingers. We had fucking a nacho bar, nacho cheese and fucking chicken and, and, and salsa. And just, you know, we had veggies. We had, uh, what else? Mac and cheese. It was just fucking lit. French fries. It was like, it was, I know it was kids food, but it was so fucking good. We had an amazing fucking three tiered cake. That was a, uh, of Yoda. Cause London, let me writer loves Yoda. He, you know, he's, he's really big on Jurassic Park, Yoda, Star Wars, um, and Transformers and Roblox, obviously, but he said it was the best birthday party he's ever had, and that meant everything to me. All his friends had a great time. We're going on these new VR rides. Popeye broke out um, the new Top Gun Maverick virtual reality, which is not even out yet. It's going hand-in-hand with the Top Gun movie, which can't wait to see, 
And um, it was crazy. Every kid got to have, they just had so much fun. And you know, the, the party was from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We didn't fucking leave that bitch till almost four. Well, we was in that motherfucker for five hours. And the, you know, the kids had a blast, right? Later on that night, I went to the Broad to the private uh, kickoff to Takashi Murakami's first solo show at the Broad. It was fucking awesome. I got to see Takashi. My wife got to meet Takashi for the first time. She was like, wow, this guy really admires you. He loves you. I can just tell. Like This guy didn't want to take pictures. He wanted to keep talking to you. He's watching you, making jokes. He, he really, 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 you know, really fucks you. And my wife is a big fan. Before I even met my wife, my wife went to the Mocha show. Um, I think I mentioned here before, my wife's ex-boyfriend was, he owned a pretty big art gallery. He sold Takashi Murakami there. She owns a lithograph that she's bought there. She's bought Louis Vuitton, um, you know, tote bags back then in the day. She's always been a fan of his work. And all the times I've been in Japan and stuff and done these things, she never got to meet him. So he got to meet and he was telling her, he's like, yo, you are very beautiful, very pretty. I'm scared to follow you because, you know, like, I don't want your husband to be offended. I was like, no, what are you fucking talking about? And she's like, no, please. Like, you know, you know, she's like, you talking about follow my, you know, follow me, please. But, you know, they got to get some pictures. We got to chill and talk. I got to run into some friends. My boy Yuto Horagomi, um, he uh, is the first ever Olympic gold medalist in skateboarding. He's a huge fan of Takashi. He wanted to meet him. I set that up. Takashi wanted to meet him. So it was kind of cool, you know. We had a really, really great time. I am going to Tokyo in August or September, we are going to get this fucking tour going. We're going to get these collabs going. I'm just super fucking hyped to get down with the God. And I just still, like, I will wear that jacket for fuck. I'm looking at it right now. I've seen a medium go for $6,000, but then the XL, which is the hardest one, because they only made four extra larges in that jacket, and two of them went to, like, you know, went to, went to Tremaine, who uh, owns Denim Tears, and another guy. So it's like, you know... People have offered me $12,000 for that jacket. It's like, I'm not selling shit. Okay. But yeah, mad love to Murakami. Appreciate you, my big bro, my Aniki. Um, Sunday, we woke up, had a little breakfast. I didn't have breakfast because I'm still intermittent fasting. And I think I'm going on my third month, maybe fourth month. We went to Universal Studios to continue uh, Ryder's birthday celebration. And um, it, it was awesome. Simpsons ride was open. We didn't do the tram this time. We didn't waste time with that shit. You know, the, the food at Universal Studios is so much better than Legoland, so much better than Six Flags. Can't say it's better than fucking um, than Disneyland, but it is in general. But Disneyland has that one fucking, uh, the Bayou, whatever, the restaurant that has the Monte Cristo. Actually, no, fuck that. There are just more choices of shit. The thing about this that I love is that yeah, Magic Johnson has like, you know, you could buy a fucking a White Claw, get a beer here and there, whatever. I think at California Adventure, they have one little place you can get some liquor. Legoland, I don't think you can get any kind of liquor. Universal Studios had like four or five straight bars. Like tequila, they had fucking Captain Morgan, of course, all that shit. Uh, speaking of Captain Morgan, guys, please go to my last post. I have given away five chains. This is not a fucking joke. That man from the Atlanta Falcon fan $100,000 chain. This chain is dope because it's Captain Morgan with my BB logo. We are giving it away. Go to the fucking post, my latest post. Well, sorry, my son's birthday. The one before my son's birthday, the Captain Morgan post. Enter the contest. 
You could win. You never fucking know. People want a lot of shit here. You see that dude want a fucking $105,000 Dodge Charger. Fucking crazy. But yeah, Universal Studios was a lot of fun, man. I, I went. Let me tell you something real quick. If you ride Jurassic World, do not sit in the front two rows. I sat in the front row. I was soaked. Ruined some really nice Kobe's. Soaked. I'm talking as if I jumped into a pool with my clothes on. I was that wet. It was just fucking insane. But all the rides there were dope. The Terminator was lit. The mummy's lit. Harry Potter was was really good too. Um, this was just, you know, it's crazy. It, you know, it's so close to the Hollywood Hills. And um, my kids had a great time. They loved that place a lot. Kai had a lot of fun. There was only one ride she couldn't go on. That was Harry Potter, the main Harry Potter ride. So, you know, I don't know. We'll be definitely going there. But guys, we're going to take a break, going to commercial. This is going to be a very long episode today. I know some of y'all love that. Um, I think most of you guys do. You guys always want. And, you know, that makes up for that shitty 25-minute episode where I had a really, really bad weekend and had a lot of problems that weekend. But, yeah, we're going to get into fam questions. We're going to get uh, pay some bills first. So you already know, Miles, Lakey, there we go. We'll be right back, y'all. Most probiotics don't work. If you've ever struggled to find a good brand, here's why. To be truly effective, a probiotic must survive from the trip from your mouth to your gut. The majority of probiotics, even the special refrigerated ones, die in your harsh stomach acid, well, before they even get to where they need to get to. That's why I'm a fan of Just Thrive Probiotic. Their exclusive strains are designed by nature to put up an armor-like shell when conditions get rough. In fact, studies have proven that Just Thrive Probiotic arrives 100% alive in your gut and ready to go to work. That's what makes them so uniquely effective at controlling gas, constipation, and bloating, and providing much-needed immune support. Their vegan, non-GMO, gluten, dairy, and soy-free formula can even support beautiful skin, better sleep, and easier weight management. For exceptional health, there's nothing like the award-winning Just Thrive Probiotic. Thousands of customers can't be wrong. Make this your year. Support your immune health with Just Thrive. Get 15% off when you go to justthrivehealth.com. Dot com and used code baller at checkout. That's just thrivehealth.com. Use code baller. Summertime is coming, BTB Army. As the weather gets warmer, Factor can help you spend less time at home, in the kitchen, and more time enjoying the springtime with no cooking, grocery shopping, or even dishes. Plus, the perfect health-conscious grab-and-go add-ons like smoothies and juices. Luckily, I don't have to meal plan or prep, and I can still eat very well. Now that I leave my meals to Factor, Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Feel good for summer. Choose from Factor's Calorie Smart and Keto options with built-in portion control as a great tool to help you get fit for this summer. Factor now offers 30 meals per week where you can choose from a variety of new meals every week. 
On top of that, Factor gives you the option to change it up and select any plan size between 4 to 18 meals per week. Busy schedule for both lunch and dinner? No worries. Add an extra two, three, or even four meals to your order. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor even knows my preferences. They offer vegan and veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and much more to keep me fueled and focused all day long. Head to go.factor75.com slash baller120 and use code baller120 to get $120 off. That's code baller120 at go.factor75.com slash baller120 for $120 off. What up, y'all, man? Last fam questions was so fucking good. It was the best ones we ever had for sure. In almost three years of doing this show, cannot fucking believe that somebody won a goddamn fucking Dodge fucking hundred thousand dollar car from just following this podcast and paying attention it's just i don't know i'm I'm just hyped for you guys um so let's continue let's get it going we have listeners all over the world that is no cap it is fucking uh a blessing i really appreciate you guys don't feel like we hit a dry spell right i was in there doing my thing i've just been going through a lot and now that i've cut some of that bottleneck of my schedule um it's kind of like family time podcasting, video coming up, all that good stuff. So um, I know I promised you guys, end of May, uh, we are approaching end of May. <laughs> it's coming, I promise you. I've already bought all the camera equipment. We've already done some testing. It's just uh, different things that we're doing. And, and I really am having it. If I wish I could show you guys my schedule, but for um, obviously personal privacy reasons, I can't. But anyways, let's get it started. What the fuck am I talking about? Guys, uh, first question in part two is, from Aiden in London, the UK. Hey, Ben, I listen every episode here in London, the UK. Just wondered how many times you have been to the UK and whether you have plans to visit in the near future. What are your favorite spots? Do you have any stories about your time here? Keep up the good work. Keep up hodling. Um, Aiden, I have been to the UK maybe 15 times, maybe 20, somewhere around there. You know, I've been out there for Drake tour. been out there for trips with my wife. I did a collaboration, you know, in the, in the West End with Crep Protect, at presented by, um, I went there as a kid during the Royal Wedding. Yes, Prince Charles and Lady Di. I, I've been there quite a bit. My wife, Nicolette, used to live in Knightsbridge. You know, I've told the story a hundred times. My son, London, is born because of my fondness for uh, the UK and for London specifically, and my wife spending time there and living there. Uh, I was named after Big Ben, and um, yeah, you know, um, I probably would have been there already, but just been things that, that have to come up first. Uh, Crep Protect and Presented By have wanted me to come out there for a while. So I definitely think I have at least one London visit this year. And um, I try to hit London every other year or so. So uh, favorite spots, I, I just, you know, I love <laughs> I love Knightsbridge, you know. I love being in that area. Uh, it's been a minute 
So unfortunately, when I do go there, you know, I usually go to Manchester United games. But uh, I love Chelsea. I used to have my jewelry at Frost of London on New Bond Street. So um, I've just, I've always had a good time out there. Definitely, you know, uh, definitely see you out there soon. Uh, David Bach writes, what's up, Uncle Ben? I know you're a low-key foodie, but uh, what would your last meal on earth be? Thanks, David Bach. Go Hawks. I think my last meal on earth would be an A5 Wagyu bowl with egg. Um, maybe a little Toro Tartare to start. And then uh, a triple molten chocolate cake for dessert. And definitely, um, it wouldn't be Pocari Sweat would be the last one. So it'll probably be maybe their iron beer or maybe a, a cola champagne. And that would be it. That's my final meal right there, which is, sounds pretty good to me. Jesse Bolanos writes, what's up, Ben? My name is Jesse B. from Moreno Valley. My question is, what's your take on UFOs? Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe you we are alone in this universe? Thanks, Ben. Love for the love the podcast. You know, man, never got into the Area 51 thing and is there, you know, other living, you know, forms of whatever. You know, it's, I've thought about thinking about, you know, the, you know, the Milky Way is one galaxy, they say, out of millions, right? And think of that's one galaxy out of millions, right? So that means Earth is just, there's, there could be galaxies elsewhere. They could be speaking different languages, right? They could be like, I could do And that would be like fucking a full-on conversation. I have no idea. It's tough, man. I've watched things about it. I've seen conspiracy theories here and then UFOs. I think it'd be fucking cool. You know, I'm just wondering like how the fuck they get, you know, again, I don't know. Are they fucking coming here on gas fuel, jet fuel? What, how the fuck, you know, I just, I just know that we've, you know, figured out how to get to the moon. It takes a while and there's other things. Where the fuck do they live? Are they in this galaxy? Are they not? I don't know. I, I really don't have a strong opinion. Would I be surprised if there are UFOs? No. That's the thing. But I, I would love to see what's going on in the fucking FBI files and shit. Let's just say that much. But yeah, it's the best I can say. Um, Jonathan Gutierrez writes, big fan of yours. Always appreciate the free game. Can you bring up any crazy jacking in the past of friends, dealers in the jewelry business? My mom was a diamond dealer in the 90s and as a kid, and I would hit up accounts with her. So she would look like a regular mom, not a dealer. Growing up in that industry, I'd love to hear stuff and uh, that made to see how shady, uh, jealous people can be. Uh, thank you for your words of wisdom. I, I don't understand. Like crazy jacking of stories of people. Um, fuck, there was a fucking robbery just three days ago in the front of my store. In Friday, on Friday, I was in San Diego and a lady was carrying probably at least a million dollars in diamonds in her backpack and these dudes pulled up. Dude had a fake security shirt on. I noticed in the camera... There was uh, no front plates on the Suburban. That right there immediately is a fucking super red flag. But there have been uh, a lot of shit, man. There's my buddy's dad, who's a big gold dealer, was followed home in Glendale. They live in a gated area in Glendale. Very rare because no one knows where the gated area in Glendale is. And um, the dudes pulled up on him and ran up on him. And um, he was able to hold the kid's arm put the window up and started fucking driving, which is fucking smart. 
mean, some people say it's, you know, not smart, just get what they want. Uh, what else, man? You know, as fucked up as it is from about 05 to like 08, I'd say every week someone's getting robbed and bringing the shit to my store to buy the shit. And I was like, nah, nah I'm good. And I knew what time it was. Like uh, Jermaine O'Neal, uh, the Indiana Pacers, he got fucking robbed for a shit ton of stuff. Stefan Marbury got robbed. I don't really know what other, I mean, I haven't been, you know, fortunately, but there's just been some, there's been some crazy ass robberies. I'm trying to think of who else got their shit taken. Um, fuck, who else has gotten their shit taken? I never thought about that was fucking nuts. Oh my God. Nick Diamond had a really, well, he's not in the joint business, but fuck. Nick Diamond had probably one of the worst robberies I could think of. That was like, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it was the most blood I've ever seen in my entire life. It was fucking Thank God he was alive. Took about $3 million from him. It was a fucked up situation. But thanks, Jonathan, for the question. Mike Song, obviously Korean dude. Mike, Uncle Ben, what are your thoughts on the NBA playoffs, predictions for the final? Um, I'm going to get into that on the end of the show. So let's just get this going because it's going to be a long episode, right? Ivan Martin writes, what's up, Ben? I'm a single father of three. 13, 11, and five years old. I am 30 years old in my early 20s. I messed up and accumulated a lot of debt. Any tips on paying it off and paying off collections? The struggle is real since I'm the only income I have. No help. Thank you. I know that this is a fucking terrible bit of advice, but it was the only thing that kind of helped me. What kind of debt have you acquired? Is it is it from, um, I'm assuming, hopefully credit cards? If they are, bro, the, the, think about how much you have. What can you pay? What can you not? You got three kids, so you got to think about that. You're only 30, so you know you can do what I did, and my credit got fixed right at around shit 41. 42 of my credit got excellent. Now, I'm not saying I messed up everything, whatever, you could figure things out. But I mean, if you're really in a situation where, you know, times are tough right now, I know bankruptcies are harder to file. Bro, I do bankruptcy, man. Depending on what it is and if the high interest loans or anything, you can consolidate shit, but it's kind of like, look, where are you going with this right now? That's why a lot of fucking, I mean, Donald Trump has done bankruptcy, right? Five times or a lot of billionaires have, a lot of rich people have. You got to really think about what it is that, you know, is important to you. You can keep one card, but if, you know, you're like swimming in debt, you know, what the fuck? Don't put yourself out of misery, man. Don't kill yourself, but definitely, you know, file that chapter 11 and so you can be able to take care of your kids and stuff and just kind of keep one card and then you can build your credit after. I just don't really have a great plan other than that because if you get and consolidate at a lower rate, you still got to pay the debt off. I don't have to fucked up. That's just the way, you know, fucking people do this shit all the time, man. Fuck uh having fucking to, to struggle about it. Um, it's, you're the only income. It's just not, you need to be able to take care of your kids. I don't think there's any, you know, um, obviously, I mean, no offense. I don't think you're going out and buying a property, buying anything big for a little bit. You'll be able to manage that. If I were you, I would hit up Credit 101 too. Um, they're on the podcast. They definitely have helped a lot of people out already from being on my show. Thomas McDonough, writes, Ben Baller, my name is Thomas. I'm a 15-year-old combat military veteran. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your work projects. My question is, 
Who have you not had the chance to collaborate with that you would like to in the future in regards to jewelry fashion? Secondly, I've been working on my own project the past year, and I feel like it's something that fits your repertoire. How do I go about sharing that with you? Um, thank you for your time. You can message XLSM. That's my uh, sports agency. You go to XLSM.com. Uh, you go to the XLSM sport, uh, Instagram page, message them. You could go to my um, my linked tree on my bio, and there's a way you can contact my agency for bookings and stuff like that. Um, as far as who have I not been able to collaborate with, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Mercedes-Benz, Bentley, Rolls-Royce, um, but something on a more true realistic level. Uh, there will be an exotic car, luxury car company I'll probably get in a uh, collab with, but I, uh, you know, Tiffany & Co. is definitely something dope because, you know, they're the standard thing. And I think that, you know, they, they've been doing collabs with people. Shit, Gucci be dope. Louis Vuitton be dope. Um, Supreme be dope. And I think that Supreme is, it's a long shot, but, it, but it's a possibility. So that's pretty cool. Thank you, Thomas. Damon Smith writes a question from a super pop follower. Super follower is, is the people who follow me on Twitter for exclusive content. Good day from uh, Sydney Ben, longtime podcast listener, now super follower on Twitter. You're the sixth non-PGA player to get fitted by TaylorMade at the Kingdom. Who are the other five, and how do you and your team seek out access uh, brand collabs? Uh, so I just know that Gr Smith and Canelo were the last two. I don't know who the other um, three were, uh, so I don't know. This is obviously way before my time. Um, as far as how do I team seek out access, you know. Excel Sports Management, I just mentioned, uh, they're really good at what they do. And so is Network with Marketing. So, you know, that's how I've got my Truff Collab and, you know, Kingsford Grills. I don't know if these brands are big over there, right? I would assume Rawlings is big because if you guys, if there's Australian baseball, there's, you know, but um, on the major brand tip, I don't think General Mills is out there, right? They wouldn't be General Mills cereal. You'd be in Australia. Um, some of these big collabs, you know, they've just been to that bathing ape is all over the world, but that's what it is, Damon. Thank you so much. Tomas Zapata writes, Hey Ben, I messaged you heavily, especially the podcast you've been putting out. What advice do you have for a 23-year-old who only wants to be the best at his craft? My craft being creating game-changing, innovating jewelry from brooches to pendants to ring to anything embraces what we wear on our bodies. My pops is a master setter for a while, industry for 20 plus years. Um, I am four years in setting, two years in CAD jewelry design. How can I be different from the game, including Eliante? Much love. Um... You know, part of the really fucking shitty game about this situation is um, you said you want to be the best at your craft. Then continue to study the best. Study the best setters in your area. Study the best setters outside the area. Because if you look at the diamond setting in Los Angeles compared to Houston, compared to, to New York, and then compared to London, all the setting is different from Upave to prong set to everything. It is really different. Even when I'm doing, you know, I do general micro pave. I do, um, I'm sorry, I cannot do micro pave, but at my general diamond setting, skills have gotten better and better and better and better. Now, as far as innovation and designs, it's cool if you don't make up designs. You could hire people who make designs. Some people don't know how to, you know, how graphic design or designs translate into actually making jewelry because they don't always, you know, correlate with each other or find that real cohesive bond. But you're 23, you're young, keep practicing all that. And I think it depends on what you want to do. Do you want to design or do you want to make or do you want to do both? I think one big thing would be to try to find a jeweler who's doing really well or someone you like that you admire and try to go under their wing 
or do a partnership with them, meaning you'll do the setting and do all the stuff so you can get a name for yourself and then start doing things. You know, there's a guy that TV Johnny, Johnny Dang, and, and um, Emmett and King Johnny were using for a while. Every time you see the back of their pieces, there'd be a small initial of two letters. And that was because he was making the pieces for them, even though they had their names on there. That's another way of doing it. But I would suggest you definitely, um, four years in setting and two years in CAD design is not a long time, but it's definitely enough. And I just think um, if you want to set yourself around for the best, then you may want to not focus on anybody in rap because it's just too saturated. Matthew Jamie writes, fan questions. What books do you recommend for mental health, self-prosperity, business, and becoming a boss? Also, what advice do you give to your mid-20s-year-old self business-wise? Fuck with everything you do in this podcast. If you listen to all my episodes, then you know what I was doing in my mid-20s. And that was the year, those were the years where I was not fucking around. I was a record executive. I was running around making, building, and contacts and stuff. So go back, listen to K-Town Hustler series, and listen to what I was doing in my 20s. Now, as far as books, I don't read books. Last time I read a book was Wayne Dyer, Your Erroneous Zones, and there are some other Wayne Dyer books. He's a great fucking person to read. Wayne Dyer definitely could help you out, man. All right? James Sheridan writes, Yo, Ben, long-time listener, big fan of your podcast, and personal branding success. I always figured if I wrote it in, it'd be asking a business question. I don't know if that you... Now, grammatically was an error by accident. My question is, do you think there is a straight, um, there's still great business potential in the recreational weight industry? If so, um, are there any niches in the market you could see developing that haven't been fully tapped in yet? All the best, Jay from Delco. Um, P.S., do you plan on doing a meet and greet in the Philly area? Let's start with the meet and greet in the Philly area. Uh, no. Uh, could there possibly be a podcast, a live podcast show there? Definitely, I could probably see something happening next year in Philly um, or, you know, when we start doing more podcast live shows. As far as the weed industry, I want to say in New York, California, Colorado, Washington State, I'd avoid it. It is not just oversaturated. It is like the rap game. Even if you are good, it's just such a struggle. Like, you know, there are things to do. No matter how much you love weed, no matter how much you love rapping, and you're like, oh, no, I'm different, I'm different. You could be different, you could be great. You still may not get noticed. It's just different. So, like, what hasn't been touched in the cannabis industry? Do some research and find out. I can't give you that because I'm in that business, right? And there's things that I'm doing now. But one thing is definitely um, that we don't have to touch cannabis at all. But if you master the merch, because merch has sucked, with the exception of cookies and stuff, but I'm talking about if you've mastered merch, you could really win. Think hard about it, Jamie. James, it's there for you. Philippe Tessier writes, Phil from Quebec, what's good, Ben? Dust Brothers, hope fam's good. I'd like to hear some LA stories about you and Mr. Cartoon. Maybe even have him on the pod uh, in the future. would be dope. Cartoon is a very busy man. He's a father. He is 100% interested in coming on the pod. He's told me he wanted to. Now that everything's open, I definitely could see it happen. I'll probably pull up on him. Just don't know what questions I'd ask him. Um, because I got to think about what you guys want to know, because I know everything about this man's life pretty much, right? This is my dog. But, um, you know, he's my mentor. He's a, he's a good dude. 
there, there's been so many fucking stories of me and Cartoon, Jesus Christ. I'd rather save them for the interview. That would be the best thing. Good question, Philippe. Alfredo Carrera writes, Yo, Ben, it's Fred. Been listening to your podcast since episode 44 with Jordan Belfort. I fell in love with the free game and the person you are. Very outspoken, cool as shit. Thank you for everything. Wanted to ask you, what would you do if you're fully in love with the girl for eight years? You guys have done it all. Travel, bank accounts together, a dog, know each other's family, the whole shebang. Her family loves you like no other, spoils you, everything. But my family can't even text her Happy New Year, a Merry Christmas. I have to beg them to happy text her Happy Birthday. She wants to leave me for that reason only. She can't take being hated or not by my, like by my family. I'm okay with completely keeping her out of my family's life, but she wants to have that family tightness. I beg my family to accept her and they don't help me. Do I just accept the fact that I cannot control that and have to let us go for her to be happy? Or do I ride this shit out till the wheels fall off? Thank you, Ben. Uh, I will ride with you to the field where the wheels fall off. First of all, you need to jump and listen to 1244 because you've missed the K-Town Hustler series. And those are the most important parts. Now let's get to the very, very important part of this question. My mom hated everyone I dated. And you know, it's only right. Some people say, oh, you know, the biggest lies. We say, oh, you're the only person my mom's met. No, no joke. My mom had not met nobody until 1997. And motherfuckers, I was getting, you know, I was dating in 1989, okay? She's met four women in my life. And my mom was very tough to my brother about um, his wife. She loves him now, but I think that's even tainted some things over the, you know, the, the history of my mom being tough and she's changed her life around. Um, my father's never prejudged me, but I'm not very close with everyone in general. Me and my mom are tight, whatever, but I gotta be completely honest with you. I'm in a situation to where my wife, my kids, pretty much see my mom and my sister. My brother's not really in my life like that, so it's kind of a different thing. And not because he doesn't want to be. Him and, him and Nicolette got along great and everything, just some weird shit going on with me and my dad, right? My biological father, that just kind of makes it weird. So this is just what I would do. It's not my suggestion. You've already expressed, it's eight fucking years, bro. At three or four, I have no idea how old you are, but if you're over 27, and now this is, you know, like I'm talking like, if this has been going on, you're 21 and you guys have, you know, it's been, you know, you're, you're, you're 18 and it's gone on, whatever, I don't know, man, bro. You know, you've invested eight years. Cool. If you're under 30, I'm not saying to leave her. I'm just saying prep for that if she's ready to leave you. Now, this is what I would do. If you loved her that much and um, like her family fucks you all that, I would let it be not just publicly known, but amongst her family and say, hey, listen, this is my situation. My family, my mom, my dad, whoever else, they just ain't going to come around. And you know what? You mean so much to me that, boom, they can't be out there. Now, if you love your family that much and they can't do that, bro, I'm sorry, man. Like, you know, I told you guys this one before. When you get married and you say, I do, guess what? Family is important on your end. Not as important as your wife is. It is you guys against the world. That's it, okay? Until you have kids, that is your A1. Yes, over your mom, over your dad. I truly believe that. You want to have a successful marriage? That's just going to have to happen. Now, some people are super close to their family, can't have it, and it may suck. 
But I think if you have that solid conversation, be like, look, I love you guys. Boom. You know, it's time for me to move on. Big, what are you talking about? You sound stupid. No, no, I'm dead ass serious. Cut off your family, bro. They don't come back from after that, bro. It is what it is, man. That's really how I feel. No fucking room for any disrespect like that. Now, again, if you've been with her for eight years and you guys are talking about 16 to fucking, you know, um, 24, then bro, come on, dog. Like, you know, maybe it's time for you to go out there and see what else there is and her family's cool and everything. But if you're a grown-ass adult and 18's not adult, 21's not adult to me, all right? If you're 25 and over and this has been going off and, you know, and you're in your early 30s or late 20s, man, bro, it's time for you to really think about cutting your family off, man, because this is just disrespectful, especially because this is your love life and this is who you want to spend the rest of your life with. Christopher Ramirez writes, what's up, Mr. Yang? Love for the show. Love baller breaks. Shout out to the Dust Brothers. Hope the fam is well and healthy. Question, being a dad and looking back to day one of being a new dad in London when he was born, if you had a chance to talk to that guy, day one being a dad, everything you know now, what would you say to him? Any specific advice? Any pointers or heads up? And I want to get into golf. What's the very first thing I should buy or prep myself for entering the golf world? Much love. Keep sharing the wealth of knowledge. And thank you, uh, Christopher from Bend, Oregon. Okay. Being a dad now, looking back to day one, um, I don't think I did, I did everything the way I should have. You know, never been a dad before. Following my wife's lead, reading some books, you know, about uh, kids. I just said I didn't read books, but I didn't. My wife did. And, you know, just learning how to hold them, learning how to feed them. London was difficult, man. London was colic. You know, he had a lot of health issues and stuff we didn't really know about. But, you know, I don't know what other hacks there really are. You know, one of the biggest things I said are, you know, make sure you don't spend any money on onesies. They're going to shit on them and destroy them. And, and for some reason, that baby shit doesn't get out in the wash. You know, you got to just throw those things out. Um, my biggest key advice is buying baby wipe warmers. So basically, you know, you're going to use baby wipes all the time. At nighttime when they're sleeping and you got to change them and you got a cold baby wipe on their tushy. Um, I don't know why the fuck I said that word. They're going to cry and scream. You have the baby wipe warmer. It's still moist and wet. Boom. And they're warm. Just game changer. But I can't say I want to change anything else, you know, I, or tell myself anything else. I really want to buy it like a champion. Um, you're getting into golf. First thing you should buy, buy a glove. Make sure you try some on, go to a golf store, uh, whether you're left-handed or right-handed, you know, obviously get some balls. But you know, actually, you know what? Yeah, get some balls. Get some balls. Get some tees. But you're going to be practicing at the range. So don't worry about any of that until you get to the range. Now, when you get to the range, I think the most important clubs you're going to need is a pitching wedge, the P wedge, okay? Get a P wedge. And that's what you're going to be hitting for, you know, maybe a month or two before you even fuck with anything else. And try to get your form down. Whether you got to watch YouTube, if you can't get a coach, then I would suggest you, you know, maybe buy a seven iron or buy a rescue, whatever's cheaper. Six, seven, or eight is kind of crucial there, boom. Then, um, you know, um, or rescue. Or if you can't get a rescue, um, actually rescues are cheap, a couple hundred bucks. And then uh, if you, you know, want some iron, you know, length with your hits, get a four or five iron, right? I would say the three most important clubs, though, would be a pitching wedge, right? Maybe a seven iron, a driver, 
and a putter. Those are the four most important things you should get, right? A putter, you could putt anywhere. You could practice in your house. You could practice anywhere. Pitching iron, you could even still practice a pitching iron on the the carpet, right? Not full swings, but you don't have to worry about chipping and all that stuff and all that stuff later. But you're going to need some sort of a six iron or maybe a hybrid, whatever, boom. You're going to need a driver too because you want to be able to hit far. Short game is what's going to win and get you better. But, you know, you want to have a driver. So, yeah, I suggest you get a, a putter, uh, a pitching wedge, um, six or seven iron, and obviously a driver. You know, was that? Yeah, it's four clubs. Tim Tucker. Ben, can you give us an all-time Vegas story, please? Also, where's your favorite place to stay in Vegas right now? And your top spots to have dinner. Maybe a guide to do in Vegas is what I'm looking for. Thanks for being so consistent and giving us real Korean John Cusack, Korean Earl Woods, Korean Liam Neeson, Ode Su, AK 456, AK Fuck You. Um, all time Vegas story. Without, I mean, it's prior to me and Nicolette, so it wouldn't really matter. Um, <laughs> all star weekend, NBA All Star weekend. It was the first and last time it's ever going to happen again. Happened to coincide with Magic, which was one of the biggest trade shows in streetwear and fashion, period. High-end, low-end, streetwear, everything. And me and Jonas, I had the Cali piece. We're walking around. We're chilling. We're fucking doing the show, hanging out, have our family uh, corporate uh, team dinner at, at Benihana's, talking like 200 fucking people. Having to, we have to rent out the entire Benihana just for fam. Um, we go hang out. We go to Tao. Jonas gets his card declined. And the reason why was he kept signing the bill, Peter Pan, just being crazy. He threw all his chains in the ice bucket, acting crazy. We were in there acting a nut. And then um, went back, had a party at his room. I think it was 15 girls and three dudes. It was fucking absolutely crazy. Um, use your imagination to what happened after that. Then the next night, NBA All-Star started, and it was fucking crazy. Um, went to a party at Tao, Jay-Z, fabulous, fucking fat Joe's, Busta Rhymes. Everyone was up in that bitch. Kim Kardashian was there. In fact, I hung out with Kim that night. We were kicking it, and we were just acting up again. They wouldn't let Jonas in, so he was cussing me out, right? So I go meet Jonas at another plot spot. Um, I met him at Light, and I'm like, fuck this. Let's get out of here. Let's go to some hood shit. We went over to Ice which was a standalone club off the strip, and it was fucking lit. It was Allen Iverson, and I forgot who else. Beanie Siegel was there. We had the fucking best fucking time. It was like, at that time, that song, Pretty Ricky, on the hotline, and uh, Young Jeezy, um, Go Getter, and that other song, what the fuck was it? Um, I Love It. Oh, my God. Those two songs came out. The fucking place went nuts. Right, and I'm giving you a very short story of the story because you know Vegas security doesn't give a fuck. They don't give. A, they're not playing around, right? And they were really fucking pissed about Jonas how he was acting crazy. But yeah, that whole week was just nuts. Like I think we might have ran through 100k in a matter of uh, four or five days. And um, why am I not think something else fucking happened that time? The fuck did he do? It was just, it was such a fucking nutso story. Like, see, look, <laughs> this ain't the life for me no more. But seeing your homeboy fuck and have a drink on a chick's back, 
like when he's in a doggy style, just fucking craziest dude drinking. Like he was just an animal. He doesn't really gamble, so he, you know I was gambling. We just had that was just the craziest weekend ever. Had my Cali chain. We're out just. I mean, dear God, just thank God that I was. You know, I've always wore condoms. There, Lord have mercy. Um, off the strip, you know, Lotus of Siam is just definitely one of the best restaurants in all of fucking Vegas. Um, there's a lot of small spots here and there, but it, it's just not for me. I like to stay in, you know, I just, my favorite place to stay in, the only place I like to stay in Vegas is the Wynn. If I can't stay at the Wynn and get what I want to get, then I'm going to get it in the Sky Suites at the Aria because they got Carbone, they got Javier's, they got uh, the one of the best buffets, but the Wynn has the best fucking buffet. So, you know, the Wynn has SW. It's one of my favorite restaurants. I never, ever, ever, ever go to Vegas and not eat at Red 8. And I'll be at Vegas for the uh, the Max Holloway and the Israel Adesanya fight for UFC. Um, but those are definitely SW's my shit. Red 8's my shit. Love Top Golf. You already know that. So, um, you know, that's pretty much it. There's a new spot called the Pepper and Hippo Strip Club. Great spot. Spearman Rhino. Great spot. Don't know what else to say. Ho Young Paulus Poon writes, Good day, Ben. New fan of the podcast from Sydney, Australia. Hope you're well. There are growing talks that we may be headed to a recession or already in one. Do you have any advice for your listeners how to get through it and possibly even thrive off your experience from the last one? That last one was tough. That last one, I almost lost everything and was pretty much thinking about not being a jeweler anymore. So, you know, just being able to have a savings and ride it out was the only thing. And I remember making a t-shirt that said recession proof. And uh, a lot of people were offended by it. And I'll be honest with you, it was one of the few times where I felt bad and I was sorry. Because, you know, I am who I am and I'm not sorry for who I am. But I felt bad because that was a fucking shitty time. And people really went through it, right? Lost the shirt off their back. Um, we are in a recession now. I don't know what it's like in Sydney. But I would say, you know, going out and having a beer or having a drink with your friends is important, you know, because you want to, um, you know, enjoy yourself and, and wind down, relax, especially when you're stressed out. But I think instead of going out, spending money on drinks and food and stuff like that, have barbecues at the house, man. Chill out and kick it. You know, do you have kids? Go on and go to the park, have fun. But I'm telling you, save money. If you have some money and you got a little nest egg, look, I've never seen so many Chanel bags for sale. Now my wife is looking here and there. There are car leases. There's a thing called lease trade. I don't think you guys have it out there. But there's Wraith, you know, Lamborghinis. You know, people can't afford their payments anymore. There's, well, I think the watches are coming next. You know, look, this is the time for you to fucking come up like a pawn shop. Other than that, I mean, really, you just gotta be smart with your money. You know, cut out the excess unnecessary shit. But we are definitely in recession right now. Elvia Adame writes, Hey Ben, hope you and the family are doing well. My name is Elvia from Chicago. Big fan. Was hoping if you could ask this question. I'm curious, do you think you would have still had the same success if you weren't from LA, California? I respect your hustle and grind, but do you think you could have been the Forrest Gump in hip-hop in Chicago or any other major city during the time you were growing up? I've listened to your stories and it's crazy how small the world is because you kind of grew up with famous people before they were famous and it's like being at the right place at the right time, plus being smart and hungry. You got certain opportunities that won't be presented to most. You're the GOAT, though. And I'm not trying to discredit your hard work. Very impressive, everything you could put in your resume. Much love from Chicago. Chicago, no. 
New York, maybe. But I don't think it would have happened. I, I'm so sorry. I just That's just straight up truth. I grew up in L.A., you know, was around Beverly Hills, was around the kids. Everyone was here. New York, one thing. But like even Adrian Brody's from New York, you know, we were, went to high school together. Like he came to L.A. to shoot the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, and I, I think he was going to win an Academy Award. I said, damn, one day maybe, you know, boom. And then I started seeing the movies because I saw a hiatus and then dude won. You know, but I've just met so many people here in LA. That's a great question. Definitely don't think it would have been the same success. Asad Khan writes, what's good, Ben? I know that you've heavily been involved in the music industry with albums being released by producers or DJs, like DJ Khaled, recent album, whatever. Would you ever be interested in creating and orchestrating an album full of artists of your choice or something similar to in the nature? Much love for Vancouver, BC. No. Not many reasons. I don't want to be, I don't want to make no music. I don't want, I mean, I don't want to be involved in it. No. Would I do a festival with my name and have a bunch of artists perform? The Ben Bar did the Chain Festival? Absolutely. Album? No. Zero interest at all whatsoever. Ronnie Diaz writes, uh, what's good? Ben Baller, longtime listener, fan of your projects and work ethic. It inspires me to become greater aside my cleaning business. Honestly, trying to dip out of this biz and push myself to make bigger moves in RE. I don't know what that means. Um, it seems that you never miss a step in what you do with the diversity of many businesses you have under your belt. My question to you is, how does mindset and confidence play a role that we, the listener, needs to order to have in order to accomplish our missions or goals? I find myself to have a lot of self-doubt with the next move, which has me overthinking shit, and it compounds me to absolutely nothing. Appreciate your response, dog. Appreciate the gems you give each week. Mindset is fucking incredibly important. I'm closing my eyes answering this question. You have to visualize where you want to be, where you're going to be. One of the commonly used terms, manifest destiny, is fucking real. Manifest your destiny. Okay? You need to have confidence. Sometimes too much confidence is definitely very bad. You can shy out, there's a way, you could piss people off, or you could be just be outright wrong, and now you're just cocky. You gotta really figure out what type of level of confidence you need to have, but you need to believe in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, who the fuck is gonna believe in you? I don't know that's been said a bunch of times, but I'm telling you because it's the truth. Like two plus three equals four, you may know that already. I'm sure everyone does. But this is one of those situations where two plus four equals four is the proper metaphor to making sure you have confidence in yourself and you believe in yourself. So it is extremely fucking important, right? I want to say it plays a 70 to 80% role over the skill set and everything else you have because you have to have that given. Michael Farkas writes, um, hey, Ben, you occasionally tease the world you pick your black card. So I'm just curious if you have any good stories about it. When did you get it? Any crazy concierge stories or a large purchase you put on it? What do you usually purchase on it? Uh, or something like your Chase Sapphire Reserve. I do no longer have a Centurion card. If I wanted one, I guess my, my buddy Paul would put me on his account. Um, but 
there weren't any really good stories about it. To tell you the truth, I've used that Dodger Stadium. People are like, oh, it was impressive. Got into one Centurion Lounge in the Vegas. No great concierge stories. You know, the concierge did help me get tickets to a Dipset concert because I couldn't get it through camera and then they didn't have it. And I wanted to be in one of those front tables at House of Blues in LA. Um, largest purchase I ever put on it was probably boring story. One purchase, right? Uh, my my Rolex uh, Rainbow Daytona, which was 87000 plus tax. Um, my Chase Sapphire Reserve I use for everything. I don't use any other card. I just use that card. So use it for a ton of stuff. But um, I did buy a watch on my Chase Sapphire Reserve for like uh, 65K. It wasn't the crazy. Couple vacations that were like 30K each. But I use it for food every day. I use it for everything. You name it. Gas, whatever. Matt Kadena writes, Ben, what's your biggest influence you see in today's streetwear scene from Jonas himself? Um, shit, dude. Just the way people are dressing. You know, he was the one that brought out um, wearing like a retro shoe that wasn't a Jordan or Adidas or Vans. You know, even though he wore Vans big time, but he was a big feeler dude. Uh, the way that he brought out the certain style of leather jackets, you know, you guys see, but Right now, Letterman jackets are so in style. And he was the king of fucking Letterman jackets. Nobody designed Letterman jackets like LRG did. And they've been doing it. They put Kanye in the fucking Letterman jacket, you know. And he was designing Letterman jackets for pastel. So, you know, I mean, Jonas just had so much fucking style. I mean, you know, he was bringing the hood polo, but, you know, cooler to the streets. And jewelry. My God. Nobody was wearing big chains like that and multiple chains. He was the first for sure. Gene Echevarria writes, Ben, uh, Korean John Cusack, this is the Puerto Rican John Wick. I write you this with the utmost respect. First time leaving a review, BTB Army member, I've been with you in the Captain Picks too. I have copped the hoodie release and some baseball cards. This is just to say I support you like you supported me in my darkest days even without knowing you. Ben, this podcast has helped me get through hard times. I admire you. And hopefully one day we'll meet soon. The way adversity has tried to push you down is really astonishing. But what I'm really impressed with is how you've turned your life into a diamond. I recently lost my younger blood brother. He was murdered in cold blood. Damn. Uh, I'm sorry about that. It's crazy. He's telling me my deepest condolences for your fallen brothers. Let me tell you my deepest condolences to you. I religiously hear and replay your show all the time. There's always a new gem to find. This is the only podcast I hear constantly. My brother was a fan too. He was 25 and he had a young son, which is my nephew. My question is, how do you deal with losing your best friend? Like your brother. Thank you for inspiring me to make it a great day. I'm only 27, so hopefully I got a long way to go. Rooting for you always, brother. Also, one last question. Do you think I could turn this tragic loss into triumph? How would you go about the situation if it happened to you? Thank you for pushing us all to be better every day. Take care and blessings to you and your family. Um, hope to see you one day so we can eat and some great food and chill. Gene, again, my condolences for you losing your brother's 25. Um, as corny as this may sound, time heals all. Gene, let me tell you again. Time heals all. I want to say, some people say, you never have to get over You never do this. Sure. Never leave the fucking house then. Don't do anything. Just live whatever. Your brother wouldn't want that. 
Your brother want you to go out there and fucking fight, go out there and fucking flourish and live life to your fullest. Just because he's gone doesn't mean you're gone too. Now a piece of your heart is gone, I'm sure, and it will heal eventually. Okay, some people say, sometimes it doesn't. No, no, stop having a negative attitude. I'm not talking to you. I'm saying people who have things to say negative about like, no, fuck that. Everything's done. No, boom. Couldn't imagine losing my son. That's the one that I did. Like, I don't know. Like, my cousin lost his his daughter, and it just, he's never been the same since. I just think you continue your life. I think you live through as much greatness as you can. 25 is very, very young. I don't think he's probably lived enough life to understand, like, how beautiful life is and how short it is on this earth. So at 27, bro, go live your life. Can you turn this tragedy into triumph? Hundred percent. Remember him, the day he passed, the day he, you know, was born. Jonas passed away May thirty first, two thousand eleven. All right, it's eight days from today. And um, it was a fucking tough one. I'll tell you that, you know, but he would want me to be great. And continue on. Now there are a lot of people on his side of the family or his friends that didn't like me and, and they, they felt like, look, you know, he's gone, so we ain't gotta be homies anymore. I'm cool with some homies still. My boy Albie at Stance, you know, a few other people we're still cool with. Um DeFarkey, one of the head designers at uh, LRG, is working at on my Ben Ball Strain line. You gotta just keep his boys. If you're I'm sure you guys, you know, best friends, I'm sure he had some friends. Keep them around, man. Help other people out. The one's younger than you. You know, this is brand new to you. Time heals all. You'll 100% get over this. And I'm sorry for your loss, man. Paulo Magno writes, you can only have three cars for the rest of your life. One daily, one exotic, one SUV. What three has been choosing? One daily. I would choose my plaid for the daily but I can't have any other cars. So I would choose a Bentley Flying Spur, you know, Mulliner Edition, all blacked out, my style. That'd be a perfect car for the daily because, you know, I'd be able to fit the kid, three kids in the back, perfect, and still be able to, to rock. Otherwise, I would say, you know, Porsche 911 Turbo S, but um, I want to make sure I have something for, for them. Even though I could go to, you know, the SUV route and be like, no, boom. So it would be maybe a tie-up between a flying spur. So we have a luxury car in the family for a sedan. and uh, Or I'd go for the... No, you know what? I'd have to go for that. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, exotic car, LaFerrari. No question at all whatsoever. Uh, SUV, tough question. I would think I'd go with the Plaid X because I could seat six. But I think I'm going with the new Escalade, you know, new body Escalade, which um, I regret kind of getting rid of because we need seven seats. Uh, I have a family of three kids, a family of five, and we always have someone, whether it be, you know, mother-in-law, someone in the family, whether we have, uh, you know, my assistant, you know, housekeeper, something like that. So definitely, uh, you know, now that I think about how we do this, let me see. Yeah, yeah, it got to be the Bentley. It can't be the Porsche. Bentley for the daily, Flying Spur, LaFerrari for the exotic, and uh, the Escalade for the SUV. If Range Rover made a seven-seater, man, 
be fucking game over. There's a rumor they did or some shit. I'm not really sure, but I don't know. Brooklyn A, uh, fan question for Ben Hyung. I wanted to ask you if you were ever approached as a cast member for the K-Time reality show uh, from a years back produced by Tyrese. Not sure if that show could have handled the star and scale of the original K-Time Hustler, but it would have been must-see TV. Um, I think they did reach out to me. I was absolutely like fucking hell no. It was a fucking disgusting, terrible fucking show. It was absolutely garbage. Um, just watch bits and pieces. There's people, guys on the shows that are just fucking biggest douchebags in the world. Um, I watched a clip for Bling Empire. And even though this is like, you know, billionaire kids, is this now, whatever, it was literally, I hate that word cringe, but I, I cringed. It was disgusting. It was, Dorothy's cool and I've watched it, but I just can't, you know, I can't support it. But yeah, definitely, uh, that K-Time Reality Show was terrible and Tyrese is a fucking complete moron. Um, Douglas Thomas Jr. writes, Hi, does cannabis, THC, CBD help with your UC at all? I want to try it, but not sure. Um, I don't know. I smoke weed every day. I don't do so much CBD anymore as I do, but I can't tell you if it helps my ulcerative colitis. I can tell you it helps my anxiety. But, uh, you know, there's three things you could do right now to cut out your ulcerative colitis, okay? One would be cutting out dairy completely. Number two would be cutting out coffee. Then number three, I would say try to cut out red meat, but, you know, that might not be an issue for you. Other two, that's definitely something bad. Uh, Tuan Chan writes, I don't know if you talk about what cars you have too much, but what cars do you have right now and what does your wife drive? I'm curious. It's funny you asked that because I literally was thinking about, you know, like, damn, you know, um, well, here's the cars I could talk about, right? Uh, I got a Tesla Plaid Model S. My wife has a Porsche. Can't really talk about that because I don't really want it out there like that. I have a Turbo S, 911-992, of course. I have a McLaren Senna. And um, the other cars I don't talk about because for privacy reasons that Sometimes when I'm out dipping around, I don't want people to know, you know. But, you know, my wife has pretty much always driven an SUV. She's never had a sedan. Uh, her dream car is to have a, a Bentley GTC convertible or a Porsche Turbo S convertible. Don't know why she loves to speak. She doesn't go fast, but I think she likes to look. But she's always had a Range Rover. She's had an X5M. She's had um, two different Range Rovers, and she loves a Range Rover. She's had the Urus. She's had a couple of nice cars. Uh, Brecon Lelewin, I don't know how to pronounce it. Hey, man, love the pod. I've been following you since forever. Apple tells me I've been following your pod since August 2019. That would be since day one. I want to say thank you for everything you've done. I know you play it off real cool, but you're an absolute legend. Like you said on the latest episode, I'll appreciate how consistent you are as an individual. Thank you. Three questions. What's one problem you encounter frequently enough in life that you wish could be solved but don't know how to? Um, misinformation and misunderstanding. Okay. Number two, have you and Nick ever heard about considering learning transcendental meditation? Never heard of it. Question number three, just out of curiosity, you said plenty of times on the pod, you'd never buy a Tesla again when the car wouldn't unlock from the inside, but you end up buying a Model S Plaid. Why'd you go back? Funny thing. I never not owned a Tesla, right? Just kind of weird. I don't think you guys ever knew that, right? Um, when I got unlocked with the Tesla, car was gone. But um, 
I had a Model 3, number one. Number two, I had a Tesla Roadster always, you know, that I bought, nothing I could do about it, and I was always waiting for it. It wasn't so much more me going back to whatever. It was more so I wanted the fastest car in the world, and uh, it's not necessarily a car that I have to drive all the time, but I love driving it, right? There's some some quirks about it that, you know, like get on my nerves, but the charging situation is gone. It was a problem before. It's not a problem, you know, now. Thank you for that question, though. Paul Quenza writes, what up, Uncle Ben? We know you're a stoner, but break down your smoking rituals. Are you a glasshead, joints only, blunts or papers, et cetera? Strictly joints. Strictly indica. Try to do hybrids here and there, you know, of my own strain, for sure only. Don't like hybrids from anybody else except maybe, um, you know, Gary Payton and cereal milk. But it is strictly joints. Someone has a blunt, I'll smoke one. But uh, I usually hit one a little bit before, you know, two hits small, before noon. Then at nighttime, I do it to go to sleep, which I don't very sleep very much. I think people found out on my Instagram stories this weekend. Hey, Ben Baller, first, foremost, I want to thank you for all the free game you begin with. So the years I've been a day one listener since the pod started it. My question is, have you ever thought about collecting comic books? Uh, much love. I can't remember what year it was. Collected comic books from around 1980 to like maybe 1984. Never got too deep into it. You know about the packs and everything. And you hear about Superman number one, all that crazy shit. I remember the nicest comics I ever bought in real time was the Wolverine series. So I'm sure there must have been the first Wolverine, one, two, and three. Um, There's only three. And uh, I had X-Men 101, which is like X-Men versus, um, like X-Men versus X-Men or X-Men versus Cyclops. I forgot it was, it was a big issue. Um, I have zero interest in buying comic books now. There was a comic book that I've talked about once or twice here on the show called The Fabulous Freak Brothers. That was a fucking amazing fucking thing. And my cat, first cat, Fat Freddy, um, was uh, based uh, off those comics. Jerry Azurin writes, Ben, what are we going to tee it up with me, you, Michael Wynn, published students of golf. Good to see you at the Marlboro event at uh, Roosevelt. Um, fuck Jerry, you're gonna hate me. Can't remember who you were. You're gonna, you're gonna literally hate me. When are we gonna tee it up? I don't know, man. Definitely not gonna tee up an OC though. That's for damn sure. I just have too much going on. So like getting out there is just nearly impossible. Uh, but yo, appreciate you hitting us up. Juan Del Rio, love listening to your podcast, Ben. What's the best way for someone to invest in you? What is the best way for someone to invest money in a business idea you have? Glad you are doing well and wish you have more success. What are you talking about? What is the best way someone invests in you? Giving you money, giving you support, right? Um, what is the best way someone to invest money in a business idea you may have? I mean, bro, you buy a, you write up a business proposal, you start up an LLC, right? You know, someone write you a check. I'm, I'm curious if I'm missing the question here, but are you trying to maybe gain money? I mean, you need to figure out, you know, who you'd meet and who'd be, you know, people take meetings all the time, venture capitalists, whatever, business people, but that's basically pretty much, yeah, so I want to write you a check and that's how you get in. Uh, Rick, BTB Army fan question. Yo, my name is Ricky. Been listening for a long time. You have mentioned a having a Cosmos black E36 M3 sedan in the past. What's your best memory story in the E36? I have an E36 vert right now. Love it. Uh, any cool stories about the city of Hawthorne? I recall you mentioning during your Rough Rider biker days. Thanks. Um, best story by E36 M3 was getting in a race 
with another E36 M3 coupe. And uh, he had a lot of work with it. And we're in Malibu. I'm sorry. We're on Mulholland from Laurel Canyon to Coldwater Canyon. And um, I was riding fucking tough as shit. And I cracked one of my springs, which is crazy because, you know, um, I had really good H&R springs. Memory was good because I still beat the dude in the race, which is fucking nuts. Uh, City of Hawthorne, I don't really have the... You know, my cucky rider days of riding my boy Kimo had passed away in City of Hawthorne. I don't really have a lot of cities. Like, stories of Hawthorne, I don't. Tyler, the creator's from Hawthorne. That's about it. Other than that, I mean, some of the dudes from cocky riders lived in Hawthorne. Like I said, my boy Kimo, rest in peace. That was really about it, bro. A girl, finally. I think we had a couple girls, but just saying, it's nice to hear one now. Irene Padilla writes, hey, Ben. Listen to every episode of your podcast. I am a huge fan. Thank you for making my commute to work bearable. My question is, how many years of having an established business does it take to consider yourself successful? Think five on a lower end. Ten, definitely. You know, if you're established for 10 years, that means you've paid a business lease off. You know, when you have you know your business lease, definitely 10 years is, is a milestone. Definitely successful. Christian Lutap writes, Ben, are you planning to be in Seattle for week one? You going to boo or cheer Russ? Um, ah, my fake hand clap. I'm not going to boo, dude, on, you know, whatever it is. Definitely going to be there. Not missing that game at all. Brandon Peters writes, listener, since like episode 90 was good, man. Two-part question. Who is the celebrity you've been most nervous around? And then what celebrity, in your opinion, was the most nervous to be around you? And can the kid get some stickers? Uh, stickers, uh, it's tough, you know what I mean? Like, I'll put some up for sale soon, you guys can buy them. If I see you in the streets, I usually give stickers out to people I see in the street. Uh, celebrity I've been most nervous around, probably Michael Jackson on a major level. On a non-major level, I was really excited to meet Vince Vaughn for some reason, man, and then we just didn't hit it off, and he thought I was weird, and I'm sure cool, um, but, like, that was strange. Most nervous a celebrity was to be around me? Fuck, I gotta think, man. I don't know. It's weird. Um, SZA was really like kind of anxious around me. SZA, SZA. Kehlani was real nervous to be around me, which is really weird. Who fucking else, man? I don't know, man. You know, Uzi was real you know, nervous to be around me. I'm trying to think who else was really, really, really happy to meet me. I, I, that's a good question, man. I wish I read these questions, but I read them in real time, right? And I answer them live. I can't think of who was super nervous to be around me. That's a celebrity um, that I was excited to meet up to. I don't know. Fuck, man. That is a good question, though, man. Jordan Zhu, longtime listener, first time asking a question. Mr. Wash Lord, Korean John Cusack, I hope all is well. This is Jordan, who showed up to Quick Strike two hours early a few weeks ago just to say what's up. Two questions for you. I see you have a Yorkie in some of your picks and stories. How come he or she is never mentioned? Second question. When are your super followers going to get a chance to kick with you? I hope one day I can buy you a mango green tea when you're in the SGV again. Continue to inspire. Um, I've had three Yorkies in my life, right? Recently, two on the pod. That's uh, Teddy P that I had with my ex-fiance, um, passed away. Uh, we've had Pee Wee, my wife's dog, with that um, passed away recently too. And then we have uh, Lana. Might have fuck when I mentioned the dogs. I don't know. They're just There's a lot of shit I don't mention, to be honest with you. There's a... A lot of stuff that I don't mention about my home, about personal things. 
Just don't mention the dogs, right? We have four dogs, three dogs, sorry. Uh, one of the Sioux followers is going to hang out with me. Um, I have a thing pulling up Dame Busters. I'm going to do a Dame Busters meet soon. I'm going to try to do it in two weeks if I can. If not, it's not going to happen until August. Uh, Aaron Duenez writes, if you had to start from square zero today, where would you start to climb the ladder? Man, if I had to start at square zero today, yo, I don't even know where I would begin. I think at that point, I'd say, hey, listen, I got three ideas to start with. Let me maybe start some t-shirts. Maybe um, let me uh, try to do some marketing consultation. And then um, the third thing, I, I don't know yet. I'm just saying I would have three ideas to present to people. And then I would start building that. But I've always noticed that if you have a good t-shirt design, it's, it's one of the easiest ways to make money. And then from there, you'd stack. Then from there, I'd invest whether it be in stocks or anything else. Angel Serrano writes, what's up, Ben? Uh, I have a very meaningful question for you. What makes you happy and why does it make you happy? My kids make me happy. Seeing them smile, laugh, and have a good day means everything to me. Why does it make me happy? Because they are the extension of me. They are my kids. I lead them, you know, in everything. Me molding them, and to who they'll be in society later is very important too. Each one of them have individual relationships with me. And anytime I see my daughter asking me a question about something, just a hug, everything, you know, it is literally everything. When London is happy is probably when I'm the most happy out of the three because generally, you know, Ryder and, and Kai are very happy-go-lucky. London's happy here and there. I'm just saying he has a lot of uh, anger towards not being, he's a perfectionist. So if he gets 100 on his test, I didn't know there's even 103 that ex I never knew that that existed. He gets mad because he didn't get 103%. So my kid's happiness is nothing even close. That's number one. Uh, Joseph Mark writes, big fan, BTB Army member. I even had the shoes from the Zoomies, um, pre-podcast, been rocking with you for a while now. What's your number one piece of advice to someone in their 20s, not necessarily business or money related, but just rather life in general? Thanks. Fuck up. Go do all that crazy shit. Um... People usually in their mid to late 20s are the ones that have anxiety because they have uncertainties in their life and they don't know what they're going to do for a job and whatever it may be. I think at this point in the 20s, experience as much as you can, try different jobs out, even try having a shitty job just to see, you know, um, I would suggest building your credit in your 20s and being very, you know, um, smart about how you do your credit because it if you do have solid credit, the longer you have it, by the time you get into your 40s, this is going to make it so much easier for you to have spending power to do things like that. Um, try to go to a different state at least once a year. If you could go to a different country once a year, that'd be great too. But um, 20s are for you to fuck up in. Have fun. Be safe. Go date. You know what I'm saying? If you're with a girl, try new experiences. Max Sands, uh, fan question. Top three cars you've owned of all time and why? If you could only have three for the rest of your life, what would they be? Love from DTLA. Um, oh man, I already answered the three that I'd have, right? But the top three cars I've owned. It's a good question, man. And what's funny is, I love my Rolls Royce Ghost. Love that car. It was so smooth. It was just so big, right? 
um, between that and, the, and, and my Bentley Flying Spur Platinum Edition was probably my favorite luxury car I've ever had. My favorite sports car that I've ever had. And I'm thinking about something that's not a hypercar, right? Or something. So it would have to be my GT3 RS. Love the GT3 RS more than the GT2 RS, 100%. Um, my Senna over the Porsche Hyper would have to be it. It's just not the most street daily driving car, right? It's great for the track. Those would be, you know, the three for sure. Think about the LaFerrari here and there, and it just, man, I just can see my wife just going nuts, right? Uh, next question. Rob, Roberto Martinez Castillo writes, if you could go to any time period in the future or the past, where would you go? By the way, by the way, would you ever sell your BB trucker hats? I've been really trying to have that black one you always rock. Thank you, super follower, Robert Martinez. I am going to sell their trucker hats. I just don't know when, but they're going to go on the Ben Baller Shop website, which uh, you go to my Ben Baller Straight page, you'll see it. Any period in the future or the past, where would you go? Believe it or not, you know, even though I talk so much shit about the new generation, this, that, whatever it may be, I love this era right now. You know, this this last decade has been great. But maybe the 90s. 90s was a really exciting time for me. You know, I was in college. I was playing ball, playing football, basketball. It's in the music business. Um, you know, I went through some struggles, but I, I don't know, you know. I mean, I want to move forward. But if that was a choice, you know, definitely at that time there. GS fan question for Korean John Cusack, Luff Nai. What's your most, the fuck does GS stand for? I don't understand. All right. Um, anyways, what is your most embarrassing moment and what was the hard, what was the hardest you ever laughed? Most embarrassing moment. I think the most shameful moment was releasing the blog, exposing my ex, um, CJ, who, um, Try to do me dirty as fuck in court, everything. Try to blackmail me. That was probably my most embarrassing moment because I had to really air out some shit that was personal and really not leave any fucking detail out. What's the hardest? When's the hardest uh, you ever laughed? I gotta say, the time that Homicide was stuck in traffic from Hollywood and he was with some chick, left her. He had to take a shit. I think I've told the story before. I'm pretty sure I have. And he drove from Hollywood and Highland to Sherman Oaks, Ventura, and Sepulveda Boulevard. And seeing him have to take a shit and panicking and almost, I think he sharded his pants. Then jumping in the shower after he took a 30-minute shit was definitely the hardest I ever fucking laughed. That was just, man, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, Gavin Y. writes, question for Mr. Baller. First off, big fan of the pod. Love your work. Thank you for all the free game. My question is, I'm 25 years old and have $200,000 saved up from crypto. I've been broke my entire life and have no idea how to allocate this marginal sum of money and scared of blowing it all. How would you best manage this sum of money if you were 25? Oli, highly recommend, recommend Nine in Paradise, Korean gangster film, right up your alley. Um, thank you for your time, Gaff. Already watched that movie, watched when it came out. $200,000 saved up from crypto. Question is, do you have it in your crypto wallet or do you have $20,000 cash you know just currently from the money you have from crypto two different things so if I were you like I said you know one of my things is if Tesla hits down to 700 bucks you know or very near to it or even below I'm going to probably put another million dollars into it 
Um, I don't suggest you put all that in there, but you know, think right there, it'd be a good time to start a business. You know, if you have good credit, you don't have to use that 200,000, but it's good to have that for other stuff. But if you start a business, you know, invest in some stocks. It's funny, I had this girl on my show and she was talking about how she followed stock tips from Nancy Pelosi and that girl's always won. I have no idea, but definitely don't just leave it in the bank. Now, if it's in crypto, changing it to fiat would be the stupidest thing. Let it sit there and ride. Juan Vargas writes, swap meet. What up, Ben? This is John from Gardena, California. In your early episodes, you talked briefly about the rhodium swap meet. I grew up going there in the 90s. Any legendary stories from there? I remember just watching Dr. Dre DJ at the rhodium. At the same time, Mr. Cartoon was spray painting t-shirts and selling them there. But just watching him there, because Steve, who owned that mixtape area, it was crazy. And I never thought about going up to Dre. I just wanted him to notice me. I was a fucking kid, you know? That was really just, you know, going there and seeing that was enough for me. You know, remember getting my first fake Fila belt there, I mean, uh, Gucci belt, buying some Fila shoes there. Love the fucking rhodium. Such a great fucking place. Michael Asafu writes, my name is Michael Asafu. My question is, how do you balance keeping true to yourself while being in the limelight where you're almost sort of forced to take stands and voice your opinion on matters that are controversial? Side note, something I appreciate about you is you seem very authentic and true to self. So I guess I want to figure out how you maintain the balance and environment you make your living in because a lot of the environment seems to be theater, I believe. LOL, also, I want an unpaid intern shadow. I can learn a lot from you. Don't have any internships right now. Um, believe it or not, if there's matters that are controversial, like, oh, speak on the Asian hate. Oh, speak on the Ukraine. Speak on this. Unless I feel like there's something that really, like, I wanted to do and speak on, I'll speak on it, right? Otherwise, I don't need to speak on, you know, every single Asian that gets attacked. You know, will it help? No. I mean, will it hurt? No. But, you know, there's just ways that I can do my part, and that's not it. Now, balance keeping true to myself, again, my consistency. So when I'm in the limelight or not, I just know I got to be me, right? And if I'm not me is when I start going insane. So Michael, thank you very much for that question. We only got nine questions left. All these might not be, you know, questions. Uh, what got you interested in crypto and believing in it? Hi, Ben. I'm wondering what got you first interested in believing in it. Um, Clint N from SFG, SGV, sorry. Um, some Korean kid had inherited $125,000 from his parents dying and he invested it in um, Bitcoin and he bought Bitcoin at 25 cents. So imagine how fucking loaded this kid was. Uh, I started following my, my cousin Steve who I own IF and Co with and I just thought like, hey man, fuck it, let's get into it. And you know, um, my biggest regret was, you know, selling a shit ton of that. And I say a shit ton, a shit ton. I had almost 10,000 fucking Bitcoin. I can't even think about, you know, what that was. But it was like, I was like 7,800. I forgot what the fuck it was because it was a random number at the time. But I was buying it dirt cheap. Evan Epstein writes, Hey Ben, Evan Valentine from South Florida, long time listener to the podcast. My question is, what advice would you give someone that works 40 hours um, with an okay paying job but does not enjoy what he's doing, but still stays at the job due to having good benefits and the job being secure. One of the toughest fucking things 
is to leave a job that has good benefits and that you're safe in. I ain't gonna lie to you, very tough. Now, 40 hours is tough too because you're working nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday, okay? And the job is only okay. Now, if you have a savings, I think that's when maybe you should start using the savings to gamble in stocks and invest in some things. You know, there's ways you can invest in situations and not really, if you have someone who you think you believe in and he's got, I don't know, again, a t-shirt brand or something and you can make some money off it, cool. Maybe make some money on, you know, another talent that you have. But I think you need to start making that 40-hour-a-week job make more money for you. And at that point, when you're sitting on more money and you have a nice cushion, you'll feel a little bit more at ease when you want to leave that job. That's the easiest way. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be like, all right, let me take a chance, leave, then be fucked, have no job, and regret it. Right, And if you're in the latter situation, then you can be like, well, look, at least I got, I'm got. i sitting on some money, got some time to figure this out. right? But that is a, one of the toughest fucking things. My buddy worked for UPS for 30 fucking years almost. And uh, like 25 years he worked for UPS and uh, he couldn't leave because the benefits were so good. And he got paid pretty decent, but you know, he wanted more out of his life. John M. writes, Ben Hyung, big fan, love your podcast, listening to your stories, hella entertaining, and makes my drives that much easier. Since you are a parent of three kids and obviously grew up struggling financially with a rough father, do you feel you need to need to spoil your kids much more, that much more? Do you feel your struggles are the reason for your hunger and success? Do you fear you're raising your kids soft? How do you ensure they appreciate everything they appreciate everything you provide? Stay blessed, John from Philadelphia. Um, I like to spoil my kids because I can, you know, they have much more than I ever did. Now, my struggles, are they the reason for hunger and success? You know, I just always wanted better and I always wanted the best and I always wanted more. So, you know, chasing after it for so long and having these visions at, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15, 16 years old and being around rich kids, you know, and I, I wasn't rich. And, you know, I'd make up stories about my wife, my my mom and dad having money like, you know, they did, but they didn't, you know, because I think about it, it's like not even a comparison. My parents were hardworking and they did okay, but nothing like that. So, you know, that was why, you know, um, was the reason for my hunger, definitely. Do I fear I'm raising my kids soft? I've already been in fear about that, you know, um, but I want them to have happy lives. So, you know, if they're soft, it's fine. That's why writers in jujitsu and he's still like a little teddy bear, you know. Um, Kaya, you know, I, I don't want to give her tough love. It's different. London, I think I've given him too much tough love. So, you know, it is what it is. I just want them to be happy. I want them to get street smarts when it's time for them to get street smarts. As far as they're being appreciated for what I provide, they say thank you. They understand things. They're very entitled. They're very, you know, they are spoiled. But I want this to all accumulate so that by the time they're in their teens and they understand what they're, because they're, writers starting to see that his friends don't have the same things he has. And he goes to a school with rich kids and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think that's when I worry about what they appreciate. Right now, it's, they're just too young. Um, Elmas Cabron, Jay Cruz from Connecticut. Have you ever been to Connecticut? If so, what's your favorite moment as well? What's your take on how Latin and hip-hop collaboration has been a big success compared to the early 2000s? 
Um, I've been to Connecticut. Nothing like no crazy stories, right? Um, I was going to mention someone's name. It doesn't want to know. Doesn't want people to know that they live in Connecticut. Uh, that is like the widest town in the entire world. John Mayer is from Connecticut. Like I don't know. Um, so that's just really not much I could speak on. Latin and hip hop collaborations have come um, to be a big success. Yeah, sure. What's I take on it? Love it. I don't know what to say. You know, love Fat Show. Love J Balvin. Love fucking Bad Bunny. Love. I mean, a lot of people are are Latino that you know people don't know about, like Fabulous and other shit. So you know, uh, Noriega. I don't know. It's dope. You know, it's a fusion thing. It's 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 great. I got no problem with it. Don't know what to say. You know, only a few questions left, guys. What's your favorite place to vac- vacation in Mexico? It is definitely not Tulum. It is definitely not Cancun. It is definitely not those. You know what? Honestly, in Mexico, I mean, Cabo is just the easiest. It is two hours away and some change. It is, they have all the food I love. They have the resorts I love. It is just easy. Now, if I was in New York, yeah, it'd be difficult, whatever, boom. Uh, I was going to say Puerto Rico, Dominican, but they're not in Mexico. But yeah, Tulum was cool. Don't know if I want to go back. Mexico City wouldn't be a place I want on vacation. Acapulco's cool. Puerto Vallarta's cool. I think, you know, I, I really think Cabo is just my spot. Ben uh, Mitsevich writes, Hey, Ben, I'm Ben, 19 years old. I have $500,000 in savings from money I made reselling shoes in the past five years, minus 100K, and the rest from a settlement of an accident I had back in 2018. I was hit by a car while crossing the street on Melrose, have 16 hurt surgeries since, and I'm finally um, in the past year almost 100%. My question to you right now is, I'm in college trying to pivot out of selling shoes and doing bigger things. Where do you recommend I move my money so it's not just sitting in the bank? I don't know, bro. But I hope that you're not using that 500K to pay for your college right now. No offense, get your degree and everything, it's great. That might be something you could pivot back on getting a job maybe, but with 500K, you can start your own business, bro. You know, I don't necessarily say you would go start a store, right? And I apologize, you know, you haven't gone through surgeries and stuff, but you have at least three more years of school. That could really put a dent on that 500K. And I'm just sorry, you may not get that money back. So, you know, you're investing in your education, but it's it's a tough thing. Um, so everyone's asked this question around, spread it around. Right now, stocks are down. You know, people use that term, crypto's on sale when it's crashing. Crypto, I can't really, you know, talk about. Stocks, you know, there's some stocks that, you know, you can't really, you know, you got to look like, okay, well, shit, Tesla's pretty much sold out. They keep selling out. Elon says they have to stop selling fucking cars. Now, no matter how many times they cancel this dude or whatever, he has such an army behind him, it won't matter. So I think that's a safe bet, you know. Safer than anything else because you see Netflix is down 75. Shit can change at the drop of the hat. I would say moving it into a business, but you're so young, you know. But good luck and congrats with everything that's going on. Joey Jassel writes, hey, Ben, been a listener of the pod for a while now. A couple episodes back, you talked about how one of your first cars was an M3. My question would be, what would your dream spec E36 M3 if you bought one again? That's a fucking good question. I would do a sedan again. I would drop that bitch on the ground with coilovers. Definitely no air. I would do um, JL Audio 212-inch, real nice fucking box. 
uh, or maybe do four tens in the back, you know, free air, have some Dyn Audio fucking amps, would have some MB, no, I wouldn't have MB quartz. I would fucking do Dyn Audio fucking uh, speakers too. Uh, I'd, I'd love to have sounds, right? I'd do whatever the latest, dopest fucking head unit was that had GPS on there. Uh, wheels wise, I would definitely 100% find some sick ass work wheels and put those on there. Wouldn't do no BBSs. Could, but I was just like, eh, it's boring. Um, we'd get a tune, you know, and have my boy Gintani make a custom exhaust all the way through. And uh, I wouldn't wrap it, you know. I would love Laguna Seca Blue. They didn't make that until they started doing the E46. But that would be, that'd be my dream spec as long as everything was super clean and interior-wise. Be fucking sick. That, that, would be, that would be my dream spec for sure. I would do a little AC schnitzer, you know, because um, a kit body already has, has a body kit already, but there's small little accessories, you know, that I put in there and change out. But that that pretty much that would be everything I needed for that car. Last question, Christian Gonzalez writes, "Hey Ben, Christian from Upstate South Carolina here, Alejandro uh, Salamandrin is heavily invested in the crypto, and news about inflation and causes. He was here before the." as a car person, but can we see him again speaking on these topics? You know what? You're right. Alejandro has been very active in crypto and, and, and uh, NFTs and everything else. Um, sure. I'll bring him back on the show. And is that how we're going to end the show? Fuck it. Let's, uh, I mean, end the, the fan questions. Let's do that. And guys, we're going to do a real short break and then go to the end of the show. This is definitely the longest episode this year. This is the longest episode in a while. No miles is probably going crazy. But let's get into it, man. Bosch Legacy is so fucking good, but the commercials kill the fucking vibe. And I know traditional shows are this way. And if you watch a show on TV like 90 Day Fiance, you have to wait till it goes online, whatever, boom. I'd rather wait on go online instead of being the first person to watch it. Because they just... I mean, it's crazy because, you know, you spend that kind of money to put the show out and you have this VV TV, whatever, and they're trying to push this channel. But it's like, yo, you fuck up the vibe. It's just fucking crazy. The show is fucking incredible. We got the season finale coming up this Friday coming up. And um, I just wish they dropped all 10. They did seven seasons dropping all fucking, you know, 10 episodes. And then they they do it this time for this? I just thank God that fucking Bosch got picked up for a second season. It's just fucking weird. Um, start watching Lincoln Lawyer and watching a little bit more. Good show. Again, just don't agree on dude being the fucking, uh, playing fucking holler. It's kind of whatever. And uh, Cat Williams just dropped his most recent uh, comedy specials on Netflix. Now, Cat Williams, that first comedy special he did is one of the most all-time legendary comedy specials. And he's one of the funniest motherfuckers stand-up-wise. Even when he's going through all his psycho episodes, he's been great. This fucking stand-up sucked. It was so bad. It's not just his worst. It's bad. It's up there with the worst stand-up I've seen. And that's just not him. He is, he just, I don't know, just, 
he he was confusing when he's talking about the vaccine. Those jokes didn't go over. Look, man, I'm all about stand-up comedy. It's fucking bad. Don't watch it to take my word on it. Take my word and don't watch it. Okay, just fucking just bad. Um, a couple things real quick before we get into NBA Finals. There will be no episode a week from today. Okay, Memorial Day, um, which happens to be almost anniversary of Jonas's death. There will be no episode. I will be in the mountains camping with my family. We're going to have a good old fucking time camping and get my head clear and all that stuff. And uh, there will be no podcast episode. And uh, Miles got some shit going on too. And so we're just going to, which is fine, right? We got to pivot the video anyway and figure out the stuff that's going on. Baller breaks. We are back on again. We will resume soon. It will not be uh, next week. And when uh, we took this last week off, not going to be next week, but we'll do it then. We're going to do baller breaks maybe twice a month. We're going to start getting some special guests on here. We're going to start getting some shit really crazy. All right. Let's go to the NBA Finals. Conference Finals. Sorry. NBA Conference Finals. Golden State is 3-0. Dallas can't get defense together. Bottom line, period. Captain Pick's been riding with GS uh, ever since. I was just kind of like, look, Luca's not going to let this happen. He's been, you know, boom. Young dude is going to figure it out. Don't think they're going to get sweeped. Next game's in Dallas again. I don't see it happening. And, you know, fuck it. Makes it easier for me. I might fucking hit the finals in the Bay Area because it'll be one of the free times that I have. And uh be nice to go to the game. Floor seats are going to be going for about $100,000, so I definitely won't be sitting on the floor. I got better things to do with my money, um, especially in a fucking recession, right? Uh, now, the Miami Heat, they were just stronger, were too much for the Celtics yesterday. And it's really weird. They're super strong game one. Game two, they played, but Boston was just a better team. And then, um, you know, a couple days ago, the Heat were just, they, they were just too strong. Now, I can't call it. I, I don't really know, you know. Um, I think this does, might go to game seven. It's going to at least to a game six, right? Both teams look really strong. But if Jimmy Butler doesn't play on game four, then we're going to 2-2 right back, right? We'll be at 0-0 where it stands. But I don't know. I don't want to see a Heat going to the State Warriors championship but if that's what happens what happens um i would love to see a boston you know uh gs i think the matchups would be great but um i'm not mad fuck it anyways guys that is the episode it is the longest fucking episode we've had we have pamela grace a filipino model turned real estate agent coming on this thursday there could be a possible chance that episode gets bumped but very small chance i don't know yet rick caruso Yes, Rick Caruso owns the Caruso Properties, has agreed to come on the podcast. Got figured out he's running for mayor. He's going to hopefully clean this fucking city up because motherfuckers are tired of not being able to wear the Rolexes outside. It's just crazy. But that is it, guys. My man, Lakey Lake, is going to play some music and get us out of here. I'm fucking exhausted from reading all this shit, and I got a big day. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace. Peace.